Welcome to the watermarkoc.church podcast. Thank you for listening. Well, if you read this prologue from John chapter 1, this famous opening to John's gospel, which is a fresh look, really a fresh reading of the original Christmas story, because you're thinking, where are the shepherds, right? We saw that up on the screen before in the fun video presentation. Where are the wise men? Where's the star? Uh, Where's the animals and the nativity and Joseph and Mary and the baby? I didn't hear any of that. And, you know, John wrote that to give us a fresh perspective and understanding. John was a a close friend of Jesus, uh, walked with him, saw who he was, heard his words, and said, this man is not just a man. He is the Son of God. And so John wrote this bigger-than-life perspective. He went back before Christmas to the creation, and even before the creation. And he described the coming of Christ through these powerful imagery and words. It's sort of like a cosmic Star Wars kind of Christmas as John opens up this prologue that proclaims this amazing message of Christmas that we want to focus on tonight. And I want to draw just a phrase out of that gospel, a phrase that John wrote that I think is really a game changer. If you were in the first century world and you heard this read to you the first time, John's gospel, it would have, it would have made your head cock. You would have said, no way, that, that didn't happen, that couldn't happen. There's no way that this Christmas story really happened. Because the word that John said that gave such a fresh perspective on Christmas was verse 14 of John 1. Let's read this together, just real quick. Follow my lead. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That is John's fresh perspective on Christmas. And if you were Greek, you would have said, no way. There's no way that God would come down to this planet and take on skin. As a matter of fact, any God would never want that because the body is evil. And and it it is our goal to escape the prison of the body and move into the spirit world. There's no way. Matter is evil. Spirit is good. There's no way a God would want to take on flesh. That's crazy. If you were a Jew in the first century world and you heard that and you you understood this God as this all-powerful, all-knowing, omni-God, omnipresent, omnipotent, all-powerful, that you'd say there's no way he would shrink himself down into corruptible flesh. (laughs) He used to be worshipped. He's holy. He's so far away. There's no way. That's crazy. And yes, John said, this is the miracle of Christmas. This is what I saw. This is what I touched. This is who I heard. This is the one who came before I ever was born. And he describes Jesus in this credible way. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Christmas is the time that we celebrate this amazing miracle. God became like us in order to love us so that we might live with him forever. That is the miracle of Christmas. Beyond the packages, beyond the fun, beyond the food, beyond all the celebration tomorrow, it's going to be awesome. But remember that centered thing The Word became flesh. And if that miracle actually happened, if God actually took on skin and walked on this planet, it was a game changer. It was a game changer for all of us. And I want to give you three powerful truths that come out of this passage that are just as fresh today as they were 2,000 years ago when John first penned this gospel. They are just as fresh for your life in Orange County. God wants to be present with you, Emmanuel, God with you, your family, your relationships this Christmas 
time and throughout the next year. And let's look at some of these truths. The first thing that I love about this amazing miracle is that it means there's a reason for your being. John starts off his gospel and he says, in the beginning, before anything was ever created, was the word. And he uses a Greek word called logos. And that word is where we get the word logic from. Reason, purpose. He's saying that the reason for life, not just the reason for the season, the reason that we're here, the ordering principle of the world existed before anything was created, the logos. This was a, a power-packed ter- term to the Greek world. It was a philosophical term. And John said that word was with God and that word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things for, were made and without him nothing was made that has been made. John said the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is the logos of life. What is your logos? What is your reason for being? Have you ever thought about why am I here at Watermark tonight? Well, because my my parents made me come. (laughs) That's pretty easy, right? Or I get a free meal after this. Or I wanted to be here. But have you ever thought, why am I here breathing? Why, Why are my lungs expanding right now? Why is there oxygen in this room? Why do I have a brain that's processing these words? Why, why is the sun and the earth in just the right orientation that there can be life on this planet, right? Why do we exist? Why, why are all the elements right in this one place in all of our solar system to cause life? Why did this all happen? What is the purpose of life? What is the meaning? Where did we come from? Where are we going after we die? What's the meaning? What's the purpose? Have you ever asked those deep questions, those philosophical thoughts about your life? Because there's an answer for you, right? Science has the answer for you. Science is amazing. I've had more surgeries in the last couple of years. I'm so thankful for doctors and surgeons and people that have put my body back together. I'm thankful for tests and technology and all the things that science brings us. But you know what the scientific story, the philosophy behind science tells you? Your logic for life is luck. You're you're just a a product of random chance, roll-the-dice accidents. Natural selection and processes came about. There was no before. There's no after. You are nothing. You came from nothing. There's no meaning. There's no morality. And there's no existence. Wow. That's the scientific story. You're just a lucky roll of the dice on the roulette world of natural selection. That's your logic. That's your reason for life. What about the world around us? I don't necessarily like that logic. What about, what does the culture tell me? Well, purchase, right? Get a package. Get a present. Produce something. Perform something. Make some money. Make it happen right now, right here. The logic for life is consumption, right? That's the world that we live in. We're one click away from happiness. We're one, one package away from beauty and wonder, right? I was with my grandson. We were shopping the other day, and I said, Levi, how's it going? What do you want for Christmas? Oh, Dad, Papa, I want an Amazon card. An Amazon card? Yeah, don't you know, Papa? Everything comes from Amazon. In the beginning was Amazon, and Amazon created all things, and all things come from Amazon, right? Well, uh, that's what the culture's telling you, right? The logic is purchase and buy now. That's life, pleasure, make it all happen. And John tells you, no, there's a way bigger story. 
before Amazon, before the prince ordering principles, the scientific principles behind them is a supernatural being. It wasn't just chaos, it was a cosmos. And there was a creator in the cosmos and he breathed you into life and he designed you and he made you for a purpose. And the logos, the ordering principle, the reason for life, he didn't send you a book. He didn't send you a textbook. He didn't send you a package. He didn't send you a list of principles. He sent you a person. He became a baby in a manger so that you might know the logic for your life. Kids, you ever held a little baby? You have a little brother, a little sister? We've got tons of them running around my house at Christmas time. I think the six is on the way, so we'll rent one out to you if you're, you don't have one this Christmas. But when you hold those little ones in your hand, right? These soft little babies, these touchable, feelable, awesome, little, beautiful packages that are so wonderful. You hold them, and they smile at you, and they go, goo goo gaga. What do you think of? Science? No. You don't think of that. Do you think of uh, purchases? No, you don't think. You think of love. Oh, my gosh. What an amazing, amazing gift. What an amazing wonder. What an amazing miracle. Why did God shrink himself down in the form of a baby? Why did he put skin on and walk? Why did he become soft and flesh, fleshy? The word became flesh. Why did he become vulnerable, approachable, touchable, understandable, graspable? The only logic is love. The logic of your life is love. It's not to be a human doing, a human purchasing machine. It's not just to be a natural selection, random chance accident. You were created by love. You were created for love. And Jesus came to this planet and he took on skin so that you might know God's love. God's love. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Your logic for life, the reason for your being is love One of the wise sages came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what is all these laws and principles all about? And what did he say? The greatest thing you could live for is love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The ordering principle, the reason you were created is love. And that is the logic that Jesus came to live and breathe, and that's why he came to die was because of love. The second great truth that comes out of this passage is that not only is there a reason for our being, but that your suffering, your suffering has not gone unnoticed. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. God's logos took on skin and walked in our place. You never understand a person until you walk in their shoes, right? The God of all creation came down and put on human human skin and he walked in our shoes, He understands. He knows. There was a great case in New York City in 1964. This woman named Kitty Genovese was coming home from a restaurant shift. I think she was a bartender. She was coming home to her apartment complex, and she was attacked. She was attacked, and she cried out in the night. She cried out for help. Please, somebody help me. Come. He's attacking me. And all the lights went on, and windows opened. But nobody came down. Nobody came down. Nobody came down and responded to that cry. And afterwards, her life tragically ended. Reporters came to the scene and they interviewed the people and they looked at it all. Nobody could make sense of it. Oh, yeah, I heard the cry, but it was confusing. 
Yeah, I heard the cry, but there was stuff to do. I was cooking, and it was busy in the house, and I had kids. Yeah, I heard the cry, but, you know, getting involved, you know, there's risk of that. And what, what might have happened to my life? I might, I might have been hurt uh, I, I, to risk my life. No, no, no. You know what Christmas tells us? That God heard our cry. And he didn't turn a deaf ear, and he didn't turn a back. He came down. He came down when he heard our pain and our suffering, and he walked in our place. He heard our cry. The creator responded to the pain and the suffering of his creation. You know, so many people wrap religion and say, how can a good God allow all this evil pain and suffering? It's a huge question for any religion to wrestle with and answer, but there's only one religion. Of all the religions that says God came down and he entered into the pain and suffering himself. He took, I don't understand why individual suffering happens and maybe you're in pain and you're suffering tonight. I don't have a specific answer to your suffering other than the fact that I know that God understands your suffering and God knows your suffering because he walked as a human and suffered himself on this planet. That's what Hebrews says. For this reason... Jesus had to be made like them, like us, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and a faithful high priest in service to God. And he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those being tempted. Are you suffering here tonight? So did he. Are you homeless here tonight? So was he. Are you broke here tonight? So was he. Are you betrayed here tonight by family or friends? So was he. Are you lonely? So was he. You can come to him. He said, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Cast your cares on me because I care for you. The God who came to suffer and touched lepers and dined with prostitutes and went to the marginalized and the poor and loved them and then gave himself for humanity, knows your pain and your suffering. You can come to him. You can cry out to him. You can call to him, and he is there for you. He knows suffering because he walked in our shoes. He came and he put skin in the game. In my men's group on Wednesday morning, there's a man that comes, and we're all buds with him. And over the last year, John, he's been through such a struggle he developed brain cancer, and he's been suffering with family, and he's been in the hospital, and he's had chemotherapy and, and surgeries, and he came to Bible study last week. We visited him, and we've been praying for him, and he shows up, and we're trying to encourage him, and he's encouraging us. This man who's suffering, this man who's weary from the chemo, this man was so thankful that just to be able to show up, he's so thankful. He gets to some time at Christmas with his family and his friends. He's so thankful. And John, why? Why? Why is, why is there glory and joy on your face? How are you handling this? He said, this is terrible. I would never wish this on anybody. But I know I'm not alone. I know that God is with me. How, how do you know that? Because he, he said these words, because he had skin in the game. Because he came down. He walked in my place. I feel his comfort. I feel his peace. I feel he's with me. The God who suffered wants to be with you, even in the darkest spots of your life, even at the difficult places at Christmas time. Our suffering does not go unnoticed. And finally, our hope, because God took on skin, because the Word became flesh, our hope is secure, our hope is certain. 
Look at what John says. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one's ever seen God. But the one and only son who is himself and at closest relationship with the Father has made him known. You see, John is beckoning us back to the Old Testament stories. And he uses a, a really interesting word when he says dwelling. He could, he could use the word in Greek to reside with, to walk with, to abide with. But he takes this word out of the Greek translation of the Old Testament. He takes the word tabernacle. And he puts it right in there and he says, the word of God tabernacled among us. And automatically people thought back to the Old Testament story of Moses. And Moses, if you remember in the book of Exodus, he went to the mountain to receive the law from God. And in that encounter, he said, God, I want you to show me your glory. I want to have a face-to-face conversation with you. I want to know you. I want to be intimate with you. I want to have a relationship with you. God, show me your glory. And if you remember what God said, he said, no, I can't do that. If I, if I revealed my glory to you, it would consume me. You wouldn't live through it. But here's what I'll do for you. I want to build a tabernacle amongst my people. And there will be a priest and there will be sacrifices. And in the middle of that tabernacle will be a house called the Holy of Holies. And my presence will dwell concealed in that place. Only one man will go in there one time a year on Yom Kippur to make atonement. But my glory will dwell concealed in that place. And John says something so revolutionary in this passage. He says, the glory that Moses could not see has now been revealed to us. It is not concealed. It has been revealed through Jesus Christ. And now, because of Jesus Christ, we can experience the glory of God face to face. We can experience a relationship with God. Because through Jesus Christ, we can do what Moses could not do. You see... Jesus, John is saying, is the end of religion. Jesus is the end of religion. I mean, if you can imagine a conversation between a first century Christian around Christmas time and a pagan, a Roman pagan, hey, you're a Christian. Yes, I am. That's awesome, a new religion. Well, sort of. Where's your temple? We we don't have a temple. Jesus is our temple. You don't have a temple? But, but where's your high priest? Where's the guy that goes in and, and wears the clothes and does all the magic and makes all the sacrifices? We don't have a high priest. Jesus is our high priest. You don't have a high priest, but what about sacrifices? You've got to make atonement. You've got to appease the gods so they won't be angry with you. Where are your sacrifices? We don't have sacrifices. Jesus is our sacrifice. You see, Jesus didn't come to offer us a religion of dues. Uh, He became the sacrifice. Christianity is not spelled do. Here's what you need to do to earn the glory of God. Christianity is spelled done. This is what Jesus did to bring you into the glory of God. He took on skin and he walked in your place and it led him to the cross to die for the brokenness, to die for the barrier between God and man. That veil 
that concealed the glory of God in the temple. When Jesus died, he said it is finished. And the Gospels tell us that veil was torn from top to bottom, symbolizing the way into the presence of God was now open through the body and blood of Christ. Jesus had made a way for us to enter into the glory and to know the Father. Because when we get inside, we don't see a judge, an angry God. We don't see an appeasement God. We don't see a a cop, a spiritual cop, or a divine CEO, some distant father. We don't see a force. It's not, may the force be with you at Christmas. I love the movie I went to see. It's not the force be with you. What do we see when we run into that room? We see a father. Jesus said, may the Father be with you. He shown the glory of the Father to us. He showed us that God was gracious and merciful. And he made a way so that we could experience the glory of God both now and forevermore. That it could actually dwell within us. And God could actually come and tabernacle inside of us. And because of Jesus Christ, because of his glory and his grace, we now know the Father in an intimate way. We can embrace him. We can have a conversation. We can commune with him. We can have a relationship with him. And today, tomorrow, is a celebration of that glory. John wrote this gospel so at Christmas time we would celebrate that glory that we all share now. Simeon. In the early Christmas story, he was looking for the Messiah. He was looking for that glory. And when he saw the baby in the manger, he took him in his arms and he praised God. And he said, Sovereign Lord, I can die in peace. I've held your glory, a baby, and I've seen your salvation. He's the one who's going to bring salvation. He's the one who's going to rescue all of mankind from sin and death. He is the Savior. He is God with skin on And John says to anyone who receives him, to anyone who believes in his name and puts his faith in the name of Jesus, he gives us the right to become children of God, right? Children not born of natural descent, not random chance accidents, but born of God, not by human decision or human will, but born of the Spirit of God. God puts his very glory inside of us, and we are born again. Have you encountered that glory? Is Christmas about religion to you, just coming to a religious service? Is Christmas about packages and purchases? Is Christmas just about getting through this to go have a good time? Is Christmas about, I don't want to deal with what happens when I die. I don't want to deal with all that stuff. I just want to live my life. And at Christmas time, God sent you his son so that you could have his glory and know for sure that you will be with God for all of eternity that you can have forgiveness and freedom and intimacy with God and you can walk with Him in glory for eternity. If you want that, if you desire that, it's not something that you do, it's something that you trust. You open your heart up and you ask Jesus Christ in. You trust in the name of the Son of God and He brings His forgiveness and His glory and He births a new life inside of you. That's what He does. That's what Christmas is all about. And if you desire that tonight, we're going to end our service with some worship and some candles. Kids, we get to play with fire. You've been so patient. It's coming. (laughs) But if you want that fire inside your belly, you know, I know that I know, guys. I know that I know that I know. I lost a son. I remember when the earthly glory left him, 
But I know that he's in internal glory. I know one day I'm going to see my son, baby Bucky, face to face. Do you know how I know that? Because of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It's not wishful thinking. It is a hope because he rose from the dead. And I know one day we'll see him again. And that is faith in the Son of God in a historical resurrection. Do you want that hope? Do you want that peace? Do you want that purpose? If you do, just say yes to Jesus Christ because he is here offering you glory tonight. Let's bow our heads and pray. If God is speaking to you tonight through his Holy Spirit, if you came here with a lot of questions, but you know that Jesus is the one that truly has the answers for life, and you desire glory, you desire intimacy, you desire forgiveness, you desire hope, and you just want to trust him as your Savior and your Lord, I just want to lead you in a prayer tonight. Just pray it to God in your heart. It's not about the words. It's about the attitude. And pray it to the Lord because he is here tonight. The power of his spirit is in our midst. And so just pray these words from your heart to Jesus. Dear Jesus, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for becoming flesh, (laughs) for taking it on skin. Thank you for walking in my place. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I open the door of my heart. I ask you to come and I ask you to bring glory forgiveness, grace, and mercy to my life, both now and forevermore. Teach me your ways. Help me to walk in your glory. I thank you for the gift of Christmas. I receive the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name. Father, all those that prayed tonight and made those decisions, Lord, would you bring a special sense of your presence now, your glory, your peace. Would you encourage them and help them? And all of us here tonight that are suffering or struggling, would you bring your presence now? As we end in worship, would you bring your spirit and be a comforter, be a counselor? And would you give us the reason for life, that is to love one another. Bless our Christmases with love. Fill our families with peace. Help us to love one another tomorrow as we unwrap presents and love our family and our friends. And thank you for your life for us. And so we celebrate you. In Jesus' name. To find out more about us, go online to watermarkoc.church 